from Maine Public Radio and mainepublic.org. I'm Robbie Feinberg with the news on this day in Maine, Wednesday, February 7th, 2023. This day in Maine is made possible by listeners and by Eastern Basements, a division of Maine-owned Eastern Mold Remediation offering crawl space repairs and waterproofing, easternbasements.com. Members of a legislative committee were evenly divided on Wednesday over a bill that aims to prohibit paramilitary training camps in Maine. Supporters say it would give prosecutors a preemptive tool against potentially violent groups. But as Kevin Miller reports, some lawmakers are concerned that the proposal either goes too far or could be misused. White supremacist and neo-Nazi groups have been making headlines around New England for several years with their small but boisterous rallies targeting immigrants, minority groups, and the LGBTQ community. But alarms went off in Maine last summer after the leader of one national neo-Nazi group bought land in rural northern Penobscot County and began building a camp with his followers. On Wednesday, Maine Attorney General Aaron Fry told members of a legislative committee that state law already prohibits the formation of, quote, private armies whose members parade in public with guns. But Fry says the law has weaknesses. But if they're coming together, if they're dressing as uniform and they're training in military tactics and they're clicking up guns so they can go and force their own view of what society should look like, Maine doesn't have the way to address that now in a meaningful way unless they start parading around with guns in public. Fry is supporting a bill from Democratic Representative Lori Osher of Orono that would make it a felony to teach others in firearms or explosives if that training is intended to cause, quote, civil disorder. The measure would also prohibit people from assembling for such training, but it wouldn't apply to anyone receiving instruction in self-defense or for any legal recreational activity, such as hunting or target shooting. Those blanket exemptions are aimed at addressing concerns that the measure, which is modeled after laws already on the books in other states, might violate free speech or Second Amendment rights. But the ACLU of Maine raised concerns that the proposal, as written, could essentially force firearms instructors to guess why their students wanted training. And it was clear during Wednesday's committee meeting that some lawmakers remained concerned about infringing rights to self-defense and gun ownership. Others, like Republican Representative Bob Nutting of Oakland, worry about how it will be enforced and against whom. I think there are problems with the bill. Um, my fear is that Different prosecutors will treat gatherings differently. The white supremacist leader who prompted the headlines last summer has since reportedly sold his land in Springfield, apparently in response to the reaction from local residents. But the co-chair of the Criminal Justice and Public Safety Committee, Democratic Representative Suzanne Salisbury of Westbrook, says she's concerned that Maine lacks the legal tools to respond to potentially violent groups. And we have a legitimate way to move forward to address a potential issue that could happen, a very scary issue. And I think that we need to start from today, looking at what has happened recently in Maine in a way to address it. The committee vote was six to six, with one Democrat joining all the Republican members in voting against the bill. It now goes to the full House and Senate. But Wednesday's debate in the committee suggests that the measure could face significant challenges, even in a Democratic-controlled legislature. For Maine Public Radio News, I'm Kevin Miller. 
Unionized nurses at Northern Maine Medical Center on Wednesday tried to petition management to reinstate a nurse that they say was fired without just cause. Tiffany Daigle was one of the organizers who helped 90 nurses at the hospital form a union through the Maine State Nurses Association in January. She says the day before her contract ended last month, she was terminated from her job as a per diem emergency room nurse. I am heartbroken that this even happened. I am a diehard you know, supporter of my hospital. I love my job. I love my community. Um, I love my coworkers fiercely. And even after all of this, at the end, at the end of the day, um, I they may sign my paycheck, but I don't go to work for them. I go to work for my coworkers. I go to work to take care of my community, and I want nothing more to be back in my role and do what I love to do. The nurses were rebuffed by administrators when they tried to present the petition signed by more than 600 staffers and residents. NMMC management would only say Daigle was working under contract and the contract expired. Students at an elementary school in West Paris are being transferred to other buildings for the rest of the school year after the district closed the school due to unsafe conditions. Superintendent Heather Manchester says the closure was prompted by a state-mandated evaluation that uncovered several serious issues at Agnes Gray Elementary, including a failing roof system, waste leaking from sewer lines, and unsafe emergency exits. Manchester describes it as a life safety issue. We can't put kids at risk or staff at risk if we know that there's a problem. Students are working remotely for the rest of the week and will then be grouped by class and sent to one of the district's other elementary schools beginning on Monday. A report estimated that the total cost to renovate the school would be over $4 million. Two years ago, the district was approved for state funding to replace the school, but Manchester says it's still at the very early stages of that process and that any potential construction is several years away. Colby College in Waterville says it will use a new $50 million gift to boost its financial aid program. School officials say the donation from the Lunder Foundation, one of the largest in Colby's history, will help thousands of families over many generations. Matt Proto, Colby's chief institutional advancement officer, says the new funding will allow the school to bring in more students from varied backgrounds, including first-generation students and those from Maine to ensure that st- talented students from Maine see Colby as an option for, for them. And, and this gift will certainly allow for more Maine students to enroll at Colby. About 18% of students in Colby's latest class are first generation. 44% of students receive some sort of financial aid. Unity Environmental University is donating its former art center to the Ecology Learning Center, a public charter high school. The university says the building, located on its Unity campus, is valued at nearly a million dollars. In recent years, the university has moved its headquarters to Pineland Farms in New Gloucester and says it plans to sell its campus in rural Waldo County. And Maine is joining Massachusetts and seven other states in setting a new and ambitious climate goal. By 2030, the state wants 65% of all new home heating equipment to be highly efficient electric heat pumps. Meeting the target would help make a big dent in slashing planet warming emissions from buildings in the states. More from WBUR's Miriam Wasser. Across the nine states, only about one out of four new home heating systems are electric heat pumps. Ramping that up dramatically will not be easy or cheap. But the states are hoping that working together will help make the transition smoother and faster. Emily Levin is with the Northeast States for Coordinated Air Use Management, which helps spearhead this effort. 
She says one of the coalition's goals is to send a strong signal to the market that electric heat pumps are the future. They're telling manufacturers, this market is going to grow. We want you to invest in manufacturing. The states will also work together to track progress and share best practices. For the New England News Collaborative, I'm Miriam Wasser. Three years ago, only about 5% of Mainers didn't have health insurance, the lowest rate in more than a decade. But that number has since ticked upward, and many are turning to free clinics for care, which is why some clinics are expanding. But as Patty White reports, lack of insurance isn't the only reason driving the demand for free care. At the Oasis Free Clinic in Brunswick, the rapport between nurse practitioner Bronwyn Sewell and patient Alex Vale is evident, even as Vale, who prefers the pronouns they, them, describes pain they're experiencing. I think my hip bone's connected to my leg bone. Before coming to Oasis last summer, Vale was living in Florida and had health insurance. I lived a relatively normal, I think what you would consider to be standard lifestyle at the time, like I had a job and a car and a partner and an apartment. Then Vale's dad got sick. They became his caretaker. And within the span of a year, Vale says they lost it all. Their dad, their job, their partner, home, car and insurance. So this has been a dramatic, like falling off a cliff. Vale moved back home to Maine, feeling physically sick and also needing mental health support. Despite not having insurance, they were able to get that care at Oasis. The clinic provides free primary dental and optometry care and up to 12 weeks of counseling. And because it doesn't accept insurance, it can offer longer appointment times, which Vale says has made a huge difference. I was working hard leading up to the point where I decided to take care of my dad. And this stuff could happen to anybody. And like this place here was able to recognize like here's a person who wants to get well and had the resources to actually like just put a base underneath me. It takes a lot for a patient to call us to say, I think I need help. We often have patients say, I never thought I'd need a free clinic. Nurse practitioner Michelle Barber says Oasis is getting those calls more often. Some patients are asylum seekers. Others are traditional Mainers. People who are underemployed, working either as lobster fishermen or self-employed, doing odd jobs um, or working at a gas station. They're people who make enough to survive. But earn too much to qualify for main care and not enough to afford health insurance. To meet the need, Executive Director Anita Ruff says Oasis is expanding into a larger space in Brunswick this summer with the help of federal funding. Our hope is that by adding more space that we'll see at least 25 percent more patients in the medical clinic. Our hope is to add 50 percent more patients in the dental clinic and really begin to serve more of the need in the community than we do right now. Oasis is among a handful of clinics in Maine that offer free care. Two others in Rockland and Ellsworth say they're also seeing high demand. And it comes at a time when there are more options for coverage. The state expanded Maine Care in 2019, and the Affordable Care Act's online marketplace has offered subsidized health insurance plans for a decade. I wouldn't say we're losing ground. I would say that we have more to do. 
Ann Willison is executive director of Consumers for Affordable Health Care. She says health care costs are rising and need to be addressed. But she also suspects that some people are missing out on affordable plans because choosing insurance can be confusing. And are maybe sticker shocked by what they first see, but don't understand how much subsidy might be available to them and that they have limited cost sharing like very low deductibles, if any. But Anita Ruff at Oasis says there's another factor beyond insurance that's driving up demand for their services, a lack of primary care providers. She says when an Oasis patient qualifies for main care, the clinic used to transition them to providers in the community. But Ruff says they've stopped doing that. Because right now there's nowhere for them to transition to in the community. Every single place that I called, they said they're not taking new patients in under main care every single place. Taryn Walker, who has autoimmune issues, is one of those patients. I remember feeling back to kind of the old system of a little bit panic. Does this mean I don't, I'm not going to have care again? Oh no, I'm not going to be able to go to Oasis anymore. And I can't find any place that will take me. So therefore I'm back to not having any care. Walker says she was relieved when Oasis told her she could continue to go to the clinic for primary care. I'm just so grateful for the care. If I had great insurance, I would still want to go there for the care that I get. Walker says she's had all kinds of insurance, including employer-based and marketplace plans. But the free care at Oasis has been the best. For Maine Public Radio News, I'm Patty White. And that's today's main news. For more stories, visit mainpublic.org. I'm Robbie Feinberg. Thanks for listening.